Welcome back to Wrestling Retold and Relived with Richie Mars. I, of course, am your gracious host, Richie Mars, and we are at the finale of WrestleMania month. Thank you all for joining us for all of WrestleMania month, and for the last episode, I knew it had to be a big one. I'm taking on this task alone. I'm riding solo, as Jason Derulo would say. And the episode is going to be a bit different because the story is still kind of ongoing. And it is Cody Rhodes' journey to the WrestleMania 39 main event against Roman Reigns for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. Whew, that is a mouthful of a title name. So how did Cody Rhodes get to the main event of WrestleMania? Well, he won the Royal Rumble, obviously, and that grants you a championship match. But I'm going to go back a little bit further. We're going to go in our DeLorean, gun it to 88 miles an hour, and we're going to go to the year 2016. Because Cody Rhodes leaves WWE in 2016 because he was unhappy with the direction he was going. As some of you may know, Cody Rhodes was Stardust, a painted version of his brother Goldust, and think of think of Stardust like a mixture of Cesar Romero's Joker with some Jim Carrey Riddler and his face is painted. And then you get Stardust. Personally, I was very entertained with the character, but if your goal is to be the top guy, the quarterback, the premier actor of WWE, that isn't a ticket to superstardom. That is a ticket to being a perennial, good-hand kind of guy with no room for elevation in your position. And as you know, with a job, if you are unsatisfied with your position and you ask for a chance to even get a bump in pay or a bump in your positioning to try to prove yourself so you can get more money and you're boss either refuses or kind of lets you down nicely and just saying we like to keep you at your spot but if you feel like you get to do more for the company and more for yourself you look for opportunities elsewhere and that's exactly what Cody Rhodes did he put out this lengthy thread on Twitter saying he asked for his release he wanted to go to the great unknown the great unknown of independent wrestling and what's funny about this is that during this time when Triple H was heading NXT, which is WWE's developmental, and it was their third brand of entertainment, pretty much crafting the stars of tomorrow, Triple H was signing a lot of the independent talent, the New Japan talent, talent from all over the world that weren't a part of WWE yet. And the ironic thing is, is that Cody's father, before he passed, would help develop these talents to put them on the main roster, and Triple H, after Dusty passed, called them Dusty's kids. Well, in Cody's mind, he's Dusty's actual kid, so why are we focusing more on the uncrafted talent when you have his actual kid who's wanting to, wants to increase his status within WWE, and just kind of shoving him off to the side? So Cody leaves... And Cody is friends with Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens and him bonded while they were in WWE. 
And when Cody left, Kevin Owens texted two very prominent wrestlers saying, hey, can you just look out for my friend? Those two wrestlers were the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. Matt and Nick Jackson are probably one of the greatest tag teams of the current era, the 2010s, the 2020 era. They, when you think of tag team wrestling, you think of the Young Bucks and how they revolutionized and cultivated it. But unbeknownst to the Young Bucks, one of the heads of New Japan Wrestling, who they were wrestling for, said that Cody Rhodes is going to come in as a member of the Bullet Club. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Bullet Club is a famous wrestling faction of New Japan. It's like if the NWO, the New World Order, which was headed by Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, were in Japan. Their merchandise went everywhere. To the point where at WrestleMania weekend, they had a bunch of Bullet Club shirts. And the, the leader of Hot Topic went to WWE's merch department and they asked, who are these wrestlers with the Bullet Club shirts? Because we're seeing Bullet Club shirts everywhere on WrestleMania access. And the WWE department said, those aren't WWE-sponsored shirts. These are the guys you're looking for. And they forward their information to the Young Bucks, which led to Young Bucks, Bullet Club, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, people with outside of WWE, their shirts being sold in Hot Topic stores across the world. But during this time, with Cody Rhodes being initiated into Bullet Club, he was a very different sort of member than Bullet Club was at this point. In the past, Bullet Club was mainly known for being evil, foreigner, cheating heels. For Japan, you had Finn Balor, you had AJ Styles, you had Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, and then you had mainstay members like Tama Tonga, Bad Luck Fale, etc. Cody Rhodes brought a aristocratic kind of persona to the Bullet Club. He was wearing nice suits, he was smoking a cigar, he just looked like really cool, like mafia type of cool. And he brought that version of himself to another independent promotion, Ring of Honor, where he would develop his character even more, being Ring of Honor champion and making the Ring of Honor and making people kiss the Ring of Honor. He had an actual ring that says ROH on it, of honor, around his knuckle, and he would force his opponents to kiss the ring. Just uber bad guy stuff, you know, I'm better than you, you kiss the ring for your master, that sort of deal. And developing that character would instantly change minds and this guy being a serious contender to become a main event player, no matter where he went. And we've seen things like this before. People get fired from WWE and try to reestablish their name on the independence and show there is more than one side of them that the WWE saw. Drew McIntyre is a phenomenal example. When he was released as a part of 3MB and he kind of lost favor with the company, he rebuilt himself not only in his appearance-wise, you know, physically, but also character-wise in some regards and moveset-wise and become more of a five-tool player. Cody did just that as well as Drew McIntyre. The difference being with Cody Rhodes, since he was the son of Dusty Rhodes, he 
had a job there for life if he wanted. All he had to do was show up to work as Stardust and just kind of do his thing. But Cody wanted to prove himself that he could be a main event act, and he did it very successfully, capturing titles all over the world. He won the Ring of Honor Championship. He won the New Japan United States Championship. I think he was the Next Gen X Champion too. Just a bunch of different championships all over the world. And established credibility as a performer, as a top drawing performer, along with the Bullet Club, along with the Young Bucks, along with Kenny Omega. And they would form sort of a group within the group of Bullet Club called the Elite. And the Elite, which also featured members Hangman Page, Marty Skrull, they would come out with a weekly YouTube show called Being the Elite where it was a fusion between a behind-the-scenes vlog and forwarding their own angles for people that didn't have much TV time. So it was a mix of a vlog and creating their own angles to go with the television show of Ring of Honor and New Japan. And the best thing about it was, and why they became so popular... A lot of stations, a lot of people don't get Ring of Honor TV. They don't get New Japan TV if they weren't subscribed to New Japan World, which not many people knew at the time was a streaming service. And of course, now streaming services, sometimes you have to choose between three, four, or five. So buying another streaming service on top of the five that you own, it would bring some hesitation. But with these vlogs and with the, the show, it would show their different personas. It will have some chance to experiment with different bits that would show different sides of these characters. And Cody Rhodes became a very sniveling sort of usurper of the elite trying to gain favor and take control as leader of the Bullet Club. And it led to sort of a Bullet Club civil war between Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega. Cody won a match, then Kenny won a match. And then after Kenny Omega won the World Heavyweight Championship and retained it against Cody, Cody decided to side with the Elite and the Bullet Club, the rest of the members, kicked the Elite out. So the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, Marty Skrull, and Cody Rhodes are now their own faction called the Elite. After that, there were rumblings of a new promotion starting. This promotion was rumored to have Chris Jericho involved, Jim Ross involved, the Elite involved in some way, shape, or form, and with a backing of a billionaire named Tony Khan, who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. And during this time, for me personally, it was a big believe-it-when-you-see-it energy. You would always hear over the years, oh, there's a promotion that's coming, it's going to rival WWE and, and there's no competing against WWE. WWE is always going to be the number one in their market. It's just set in stone at this point. But there were different rumblings on this because you saw on the outside of these quote-unquote independent guys getting deals with places like Hot Topic, like Cracker Barrel, and they were supporting their cause. And that eventually led to All In, which Cody and the Young Bucks presented it as a self-funded independent show to sell out 10,000 seats in an arena, which an independent 
venue hasn't done in, I think at that point, 10, 15 years. And it was basically a bet that Cody made with uh, prominent wrestling journalist Dave Meltzer when a fan asked him if Ring of Honor would sell 10,000 seats in arena. And Dave Meltzer said not at this point. And Cody took him up on that bet. And him and the Young Bucks made this show. And it sold out within a half hour. So there was buzz behind the whole elite crew at this point. And getting back to the promotion that was involving Chris Jericho, involving Jim Ross, involving Tony Khan and the Elite. On midnight in 2019, it was announced that All Elite Wrestling was born. It's a new promotion, All Elite Wrestling, fronted by Tony Khan, Chris Jericho, Jim Ross is coming in as an announcer. And the elite guys so far, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, Cody Rhodes, Hangman Page, and later, Kenny Omega joined as well. His contract ran a little bit longer than the other guys. They announced All Elite Wrestling in January. Their TV debut didn't happen until October. So, there were still a lot of questions on how a television show would be. They would still have pay-per-views and specials here and there to kind of keep the buzz going, their name going. They'll go to different independent shows, try to scout out talent there. But the most important thing to note is that the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, and Kenny Omega all gained the title of EVPs, or Executive Vice Presidents, of the company. And while you're still an active wrestler, And gaining that EVP title, it can be a double-edged sword to your career as an active performer. Not only are you going to be responsible for some decision-making, if there's a bad decision made involving you or involving talent, all the blame's going to be put on you regardless. No matter if it's good or it's bad, you're going to get blamed for something. And we're going to come back to that a little bit later. First year of Cody Rhodes in AEW was fantastic. He had a match with his brother Dustin Rhodes, which was phenomenal. Cody Rhodes would then transition with a feud with AEW world champion Chris Jericho. And if Cody would lose, he wouldn't challenge for the AEW championship. If you watched wrestling before, usually when it's something like, oh, you if you lose, you're banned from the company, or you can't challenge this champion as long as this person's champion or you can't go challenge it for the you can't challenge this person for the end of time whatever chances are those stipulations don't hold up because with wrestling it's a never-ending story you can tell it one or many different ways but chances are if you make a stipulation banning or barring someone from challenging a championship Eventually, there are going to be ways where they maneuver around that stipulation. There's no such thing as forever in wrestling. If somebody retires, they, chances are they'll come back in the next couple of years. It's just how it works. So Cody loses his match with Chris Jericho, and he does have great feuds after the fact. He feuds with MJF, loses to him. They don't have a rematch, which always confused me. And then Cody would focus on the TNT Championship, which is their secondary title. 
and then his focus shifted on trying to make the TNT Championship just as important as the World Heavyweight Championship. So he would have matches with Eddie Kingston, Ricky Starks, help them get AEW contracts in these open challenges for the TNT Championship, and become very John Cena-esque in his presentation, which I think turned a lot of people off. Cody Rhodes has always said that John Cena was a big inspiration for him when wrestling because Cena was that ultimate company guy. But as Cody was trying to be more like John Cena, being the face of the company, having the -the over-the-top entrance with the pyro, the elevator, slapping hands and kissing babies, the more AEW fans resented him for it. The AEW fan base is different from the WWE fan base in that the WWE fan base is more targeted towards families. It's more targeted towards younger kids, an all-inclusive type of crowd. The AEW fan base is mostly people from that 18 to 34 demographic. It's not very kid-friendly. It can be. But it more focuses on that 18 to 34 demographic. So when you're trying to be a John Cena-like figure, and the fan base isn't clamoring for a John Cena-like figure, that will cause people to turn on you. So people started booing Cody. Another reason why they started booing Cody was a lot of his storylines kind of felt like they were in a vacuum. Where, alright, here's All Elite Wrestling starring the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, and then Cody is kind of off on an island to his own with his storylines. Every storyline that happens with Cody is in its own little bubble. And there's no getting out until it's completed. And Cody began doing these promos where He would talk about his different opponents, have a little rah-rah speech, and then continue on with the feud, have a couple segments that didn't really gain interest among the fan base at this point, because they were seeing how repetitive it was, and how time is a flat circle it was all becoming. And with Cody Rhodes' lack of going to an AEW world title program. It just kind of left his stories to be underdeveloped. He didn't really develop as a character, no matter how many different directions they would try to push it. There was one with Aleister Black where he lost to Aleister Black in five minutes, but he did something similar with Brody Lee the year before when he lost in about five minutes. And then after the match, Cody teased retirement, which no one was buying because, one, they knew he was filming a show, the Go Big Show, and two, they weren't buying for a fact that someone in his mid-30s was going to retire so soon. A big example of one of his promos that just didn't land was the Unition of America promo, or the Cody Solves Racism promo, as it was dubbed where Cody was giving a rally cry speech to the AEW fans during the height of protests within the United States. And I understand what he was trying to do, trying to unite the country under a united front. But 
unfortunately, it didn't hit. And a reason for that is that wrestling is supposed to be an escape for the real world stuff. And when you mention the real world stuff while in that bubble of wrestling, it might work, but generally, in my opinion, it doesn't. Because wrestling should kind of focus in on its own little bubble. I'm always a fan of Cody and what he does. But when these segments were airing, these different feuds were airing, it just sort of felt like Cody was playing in the sandbox when there was more things in the park that you could play with. But Cody was just in this sandbox. And people thought the world title stipulation where Cody couldn't challenge for it was eventually going to be reneged and that Cody doing the slow burn heel turn was all a part of the plan. He was going to be a bad guy eventually. But Cody didn't have any intention of being a bad guy. Again, he wanted to be that company's John Cena. But the common theme of Cody's AEW career at this point was being a gatekeeper. Every new talent that would come in from WWE or the independents, he would face, they would have a feud, and move on to the next one. Rinse and repeat. Like I said, there wasn't much development having with Cody as a character. They would attempt stuff, like Cody doesn't have his killer instinct anymore, but once that happens, once that change happens, there needs to be more stories to tell, and hopefully at a higher level, but Cody seemed to be alienating himself to just his storylines. He wouldn't interact with the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega, people that he was on-screen friends with before, but now he transitioned that to more the Nightmare family, where it would just be his wife, it would be Arn Anderson, his manager, and then it would be a couple of his students from the Nightmare Factory, which were his students that he trained and this is the conundrum that Cody was in, not only being of on-screen influence, but a backstage influence, because he learned from his father the pros and cons of not only being an active wrestler, but also being a person behind the scenes, creatively. And of course, if he would win the world title, hypothetically, there would be critics out there that would say he only became world champion because he wrote himself in that position. So he was put in a lose-lose situation right off the bat when starting AEW. Cody finally leaves AEW in 2022. And the interesting thing about that is, Tony Khan signed the Young Bucks, Hangman, and Cody. At the same time, he had an option to roll over their contracts for another couple of years. He did that with the Young Bucks and Hangman Page. He didn't do that with Cody. So I'm not sure if they mutually thought over the last year or two that it wasn't going to work. There are a lot more factors in why Cody left AEW than we originally realized. Of course, during Cody's last year, they signed CM Punk, they signed Keith Lee, they signed Adam Cole, they signed Brian Danielson, they signed all these names and talents from WWE or former WWE top stars, which leaves Cody Rhodes as the old toy in the toy box. And you have all these new toys coming in 
And then you're just going to forget about the Yotori, not care much about him. He's not developing. He's not ascending the ranks. And he can ascend the ranks because of that stipulation he put on himself. So it was just Cody's time to go. Whether you believe he just wanted to leave to win the WWE Championship, or he left because he didn't have creative control on AEW anymore after a segment on AEW caused some of the EVPs to lose some of their creative power. But the fact is, Cody is gone from AEW. They couldn't reach the terms, whether it was money, whether it was creative influence. So Cody left, and he went to WWE. And when Cody went to WWE, there was initial, I wouldn't even say concerns, just curiosity. Because this is the first time since AEW's been around that an AEW talent jumps to WWE. And usually with talents that come from elsewhere to WWE, they usually like putting their own spin or tweak on things. For example, when AJ Styles, who was a prominent name in Impact and in New Japan, they would call him the redneck rookie instead of the phenomenal AJ Styles at first because they wanted to put their own little stamp on it and market it their way, which is a smart thing for a company to do. So there was initial curiosity if Cody were to jump to WWE, what would change and what would stay the same? So Cody jumps to WWE and it's his same AEW presentation, same jacket, same character, same music, same little elevator that he would use in AEW. They brought everything with them. They didn't touch anything. They didn't change anything about Cody Rhodes' presentation, which is very shocking. And he returned at WrestleMania. He would have this wonderful feud with Seth Rollins, have three fantastic matches, one of which he wrestled with a torn peck completely off the bone. Still one of the most amazing things that I've seen in wrestling. And then he left to go get surgery. Cody Rhodes would later come back at the Royal Rumble, win the Rumble, and now Cody Rhodes is on his way to the main event of WrestleMania. Against Roman Reigns, a man who hasn't been beaten in three years. And that's where we are leading up to today. Is Cody Rhodes's first one-on-one shot on pay-per-view at WrestleMania against Roman Reigns to try to win the championship his father never held. That was something he emphatically stated on the Raw after WrestleMania, that he came back for one reason, one reason only, to win the WWE championship. So what changed with Cody Rhodes? What changed between him and AEW? To him in WWE. In WWE, Cody is his own individual. He isn't flanked by any members of the Nightmare Factory. He isn't in his own sandbox or his own bubble when it concerns his storylines. He is involved within the roster of WWE. The WWE audience also likes when they see one of their guys who left to try to make a name for themselves come back and get their just due, like the WWE Championship, which most people feel like Cody has earned over his years of development on the independents and AEW. WWE also had a void of no top white meat babyface good guy. And with John Cena not in that position, with Roman Reigns not in that position, the door 
fled open for Cody to fill that spot, and he's done a fantastic job at it. Cody Rhodes is using the same tactics in AEW in WWE. Main difference is AEW does not want a white meat babyface good guy. They want a rugged professional wrestler. And I think a lot of fans that are AEW fans who also watch WWE want to see this Cody Rhodes Roman Reigns match because this is the ultimate WWE versus AEW match that we never got at this scale, at a WrestleMania size scale. And I think if Cody wins, it's going to prove a lot of AEW fans right that stars can be created outside the dub. Essentially, Cody in AEW was trying to make his version more territory 70s, 80s style professional wrestling, while Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, they prefer the New Japan independent style form of wrestling, which is more action, little talking. And with Cody's stories, it was more talking, little action at most points. And Cody kind of became an additive or an afterthought when it comes to these guys who all have the potential to be AEW world champion, but here's a guy who's purposely being handcuffed, whether it's by his own admission or not, there's still one less way to tell a story with him, and that, unfortunately, is the most important way to tell a story with a wrestler. While Cody Rhodes was recovering from his torn pectoral muscle, WWE had another surprise in that Sami Zayn became this mega over good guy babyface as a part of the bloodline and a lot of people were championing him and a lot of people were championing him to dethrone Roman Reigns and i understand that perspective you have this story that went on for 8 or 9 months and naturally the conclusion of Sami Zayn joining Roman Reigns's evil heel faction of family the bloodline being usurped by the one guy who always wanted to be in the bloodline but learns of their evil ways and that is a great story unfortunately i don't think Sami Zayn was the right person to dethrone roman reigns and he's still not the right person the story of sammy is that at first he joined the bloodline for his own nefarious reasons because before sammy was Heal, a bad guy, a conspiracy theorist. And he was only helping the bloodline to curry favor of his own career. But the more and more he became involved with the bloodline, the more and more he started to see him as family. And that's when that slow burn kind of started. And he, all he wanted was the approval of Roman Reigns. But Sammy was never presented on that main event level. He was always the step behind Roman. He was never seen as competitive for a guy who can be in that top spot. He can win the championship, but he can't be in that same top spot that Roman is. Then when Cody comes back, and people were kind of waiting if the crowd would turn on Cody like they did in AEW, but they haven't. And as of this recording, we're still a week away from WrestleMania. They haven't turned on Cody. In fact, his cheers are getting louder and louder with each passing week. 
And I will give WWE credit. They've done everything right by Cody. They made Cody essentially their number one good guy, babyface priority. He's been selling his merchandise. He's been doing the deal with the crowd when he would kiss his weight belt, hand it out to a fan in the audience, and become this uber good guy that appeals to all demographics of WWE. And it's not a John Cena or Roman Reigns situation where the fans are booing him, where it's a 50-50 crowd reaction. Everybody is cheering for Cody because you have the kids that love him and see him as a superhero Captain America. You have that 18-34 to 34 demographic that sees him as the guy who left WWE, proved that he could hang with people from the independents, made his own company, essentially, and now he's back home at WWE. And then you have the older fans that are latching on to Cody as a reminder of this is Dusty Rhodes' kid. So he appeals to every demographic across the board of WWE. And it also helps, I'm getting a little sidetracked here, but it also helps that Cody Rhodes is very well-spoken with interviews. He's a very well-spoken individual in general, and he's the perfect guy you want as a PR guy for the company when they do interviews with certain radio stations or television stations. Cody checks off all the boxes that WWE looks for in a top guy, and with no John Cena, and with Roman Reigns not being the main good guy right now, that leaves that spot wide open for a Cody Rhodes to take over. It'd be also smart for Cody Rhodes to win at WrestleMania, to dethrone Roman Reigns, with Cody Rhodes being the first AEW guy to make the jump to WWE and to win the main event of WrestleMania over the guy WWE has built as this unstoppable monster and as their guy for three years and was the face of WWE years before then too. That's going to send a message to every AEW guy and girl saying wow these guys did right by Cody so if I jump from AEW to WWE they're not gonna screw with my character they're not gonna screw with my presentation they're just there's a chance that I could succeed in WWE even though I was a part of a different company and Cody's journey does lead to this I see I saw a lot of people saying, oh, Cody hasn't struggled enough in the storyline to become WWE champion. He hasn't gone through the trials and tribulations. And I just think that's a very silly thing to say. Not because he doesn't look like he's struggling in the storyline. In the storyline currently, Cody Rhodes is verbally jousting with Roman Reigns toe-to-toe. With Roman Reigns bringing up, you didn't like Stardust, so you left, you came back, then you came back, and your body quit on you, and that hell in a cell, you tore your peck, and you think you could beat me. That's essentially what Roman's saying. He's not doing the classic good guy thing. It's like, oh, you're wrong. I did this and that. He said, no, you're right. I did run away. My running away caused me to not only find myself, but to make a company that makes a lot of wrestlers a lot more money in the back. But the reality is, is 
what if you lose, then your whole bloodline falls before you. It's a classic battle of two of these strong guys are jousting back and forth. They're going for their own insecurities. Roman is attacking Cody on the basis of him running away and not being one of Dusty's kids when he left. And Cody is attacking Roman over. Once that first domino falls of him losing the championships, his bloodline, his cousins the Usos, Solo Sokoa, his his manager Paul Heyman, they all leave him too, leaving Roman the same way, the same guy he was before he became the tribal chief on an island on his own. So the this story is playing on both their insecurities, and Cody is the only one that's not afraid to look himself in the mirror about his faults. Roman is, and that's why I think Cody is the right guy to take the championship off Roman, because then there's a myriad of different stories you could tell with him as champion. Will he fight off more in the bloodline? What is Roman like without those championships? What Storm would unleash if Cody were to beat Roman for those championships and beat his unpinned record in three years? As opposed to if Roman were to retain, there's less stories you can go with that. Roman's essentially beat every single person on the roster. Sometimes multiple times. And if they still plan on giving Cody the championship, him losing at WrestleMania... And if you were to win it, let's say, at SummerSlam, the bloom might fall off the rose at that point. The best place to pull the trigger on making a new star, a new face of your company, is and what they're trying to make Cody, is to do it on the biggest stage, and that's at WrestleMania. It'll be hard to keep the momentum of Cody Rhodes going until a SummerSlam, until a Survivor Series, or until... Whenever Cody decides, whenever they decide to give Cody the championship. But overall, I think the story of Cody Rose leaving the WWE, going on the independence to being in AEW, to coming back to WWE, is one of the best journeys I've seen in wrestling in a long time. And the development of Cody trying to prove that he can be this John Cena figure like character. Failing at first and then finally succeeding is a wonderful piece of irony, but also a wonderful place for him to be full circle. And I believe him and Roman Reigns will steal a show at WrestleMania. Now, is it for certain he's going to win? No, it's not for certain. But there's going to be a great story to tell if he were to win if he were to lose i prefer if he would win but again it's not my company they have a plan for him they will have a plan for him so thank you for joining me on this week's edition of wrestling retold and relived can't wait for wrestlemania we're gonna see if cody rhodes can finally win the big one on the grandest stage of them all beating their top star and we'll see from then if Cody has what it takes to carry the company. All right, my name is Richie Mars. You can always follow me at Retold Richie Mars on Instagram and Twitter. I'm also on the TikTok, One True Richie. 
and I will see you same time, same place, same pod. TTFN, ta-ta for now. Thank you very much. Thank you.